Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand sustainably. I'm your host, Giles Smith, and as you know, I love interviewing the founders of sustainable brands because I really enjoy putting a spotlight on all the conscious choices they're making, no matter what stage they're at in the growth of their brand. Today, I'm joined by Jenica Smith, founder of Notely, a sustainable niche brand making gift cards and notebooks from recycled paper and coffee cups. Notely's not a gigantic brand, but Jenica chooses to make thoughtful decisions all through the operations of her business, from manufacturing right through to order fulfillment. And she has a beautifully authentic approach to transparency. We chat a bit about the realities of life as a solopreneur and the value of building a network of like-minded business owners. It's hard not to love this honest, true blue Aussie entrepreneur. So with that, let's start the show. Jenica Smith, welcome to the show. Hi, Giles. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here on the show today because you, I think you're a terrific example of uh, kind of like a grassroots business that started from scratch, growing up, um, with serving a niche beautifully and choosing to do all the things really sustainably. And I want to un- sort of unpick that for the audience today. But let's start out. Tell us a little bit about you. Where did you, where are you based? Where did you grow up? And, and how did you come to start Notely? Well, uh, well, this around this time, it's about 20 years I've been a graphic designer. So I've always kind of been into print. Um, and then about, or oh, maybe a decade ago now, I really wanted to reconnect with the creative community in Brisbane um, because I've lived here um, most of my life and I really felt that that we were getting kind of overseen by if you were going to make it in the creative industry, you had to move to Sydney or Melbourne. So back in um, the early 2011, 2010, I started a blog called Design Montage where I started interviewing lots of artists and featuring a lot of local talent. And then it kind of grew this crazy traction where I was featuring lots of artists from interstate as well. And it kind of just became a life of its own. Um, and after a couple of doing, years of doing it, I just really burnt out because I was still work, I was graphic designer full-time at the time and was running this blog all hours of the day. And But it was really to reignite my love for digital and building a community of people online around the creative industry. Um, and after a couple of years of that, I really took time out to reassess and really wanted to get back to basics with, I'd been journaling and um, like just doing research into how could I get more offline because so much of my day was online. And um, it's kind of during that process that I was going, I was just starting to realize, well, who are they? Like, is there anyone really good in the eco-friendly space for stationery? Um, Because it seems like if you want to get a nice notebook around here, you've got to go to the, you know, the big name chains, which is mostly um, overseas product. So I was like, is anyone making stuff here? Um, and um, what about all these beautiful artists that I've been featuring on my site and that I've made friends with, connections with? Is there a way I could folk, like feature all their artists, build their profile and create a really beautiful product that we're just really proud of? And I just, I guess it was probably a year or so of mulling around this idea of moving from this kind of, online community that I built taking that offline and making that 
um, something tangible that we could create a product that we're really proud of. And that was kind of that early conversations of Notely and what formed um, a couple of those artists formed my first um, launch collection for the range back in 2014. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. And it's a it's it's a it's a brilliant story that, you know, I think you've done what, you know, probably everybody starting out a business would be advised to do, which is actually to build build an audience, build a community first and then figure out what to sell them. It's a genius way to do it because it's a lot harder to do it the other way around. So I don't know whether you planned that or whether that just happened, but it's it's a very clever way. Yeah, it's a very clever. It's a very clever way to do it. So congratulations on that. So so you started 2014 with some notebooks. Where where's your range at today? What tell us about a little bit about what all the things that you supply as part of the Notely brand. So today we've got a really strong artist collections and each year we try to feature one to two new artists in the range to grow that collection and we try to really um, bring in a new style of artwork each year and over the years um, I guess if you've ever read The Artist Way by Julia Cameron she talks about being a shadow artist and in that it's you're not brave enough to be the artist yourself and you're kind of hiding behind the other artists um, and that very much what I was doing with the blog and what I was doing for a number of years by featuring other artists and it was at some of the markets that I was doing that a lot of people were like oh is this your artwork that I just was like my mum and my partner had just kept saying, you've got to put your own artwork into the range. And that was the, when I just started to think, okay, well, where am I as an artist? Because I've all, as a designer, you're always doing work for other people. And I felt like I really didn't have an identity as an artist. And that's something I'm definitely still working on behind, like definitely at a slow pace behind the scenes. But I really started to um, kind of put my love for Australian natives and a lot of the kind of watercolour pencil artwork I'd done over the years and have have grown my kind of part in the range now to have this staple of the Australian natives that's the undercurrent of the main artist collection with the feature artists um, in the very different styles on top of that. I do love the the breadth of the range you've got there. As a, um, you know, I think most people appreciate art to some degree, even if they don't have a sort of a cultured background for it. And it's nice to see... One of the things I love about the product range that you have is that it, it, it is so um, it is standout in terms of the beauty of the of the actual books themselves, partly because of the of the artwork on it, of course. And, and you know, yeah. and, it, and it resonates strongly because it obviously is Australian, a lot of Australian native plants on there and those sorts of things, as opposed to just going to. Uh, I don't know, just an art supply store and getting something with some generic bl- bland cover on the front of it. It, it kind of, every time you would pick those one up, I imagine it's it's kind of like a nice uplifting moment in your day because you get to see this beautiful artwork on the front. So I think it's yeah. really cool what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about um, your journey to choosing the materials that you've chosen. Because um, obviously you said there about, you know, there wasn't very many good sort of eco-sustainable alternatives to to the, the art in, in the art supplies sort of space there. And you're using FSC certified recycled paper for your notebooks, I understand, which I, I mean, to me, that was a, a very interesting choice because I think most people's understanding of recycled paper is it's kind of grainy, um, you know, not very nice to feel and, and possibly wouldn't make a great substrate to write on or to do artwork on. So tell us about, about that journey and how did you come to doing that? Well, through um, my work in corporate graphic design, I was often coming across lots of different types of papers from suppliers, which were beautiful surfaces and technology was increasing where there were better um, types of papers that were um, from recycled content. 
Um, and some of it's the whitest office paper that's recycled. So that means then you don't not needing to use bleaches and chlorines and stuff to make it white, but it is naturally white. So as I was kind of doing my research into what papers were available, um, I guess the standout for me was that to have the artwork showcased as best as possible, it needed to be this, this whitest, um, cleanest type of recycled content. But I really loved the toothy feel that that had compared to um, maybe a virgin sheet that might be quite smooth. So it has that feel of a beautiful notebook, but um, the, con the paper itself is quite white. So the artwork's still very vibrant. Um, and yeah, I wanted to make sure that if we were using, so not all of the range is completely recycled. So like the, co the coloured card stocks, some of those, they're FSC from well-managed forests, but it is a mix of um, recycled content and um, the, the well-managed um, forest content. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And because, because one of the, one of the sort of the darks, the darker sides of, of the recycle of recycled paper, particularly when you're looking for that kind of diamond white finish almost is that it, it can be associated with some of the nasty chemical processes to get it that way. So you're yeah. saying that you, you've, you've managed to select suppliers and paper stock, uh, malt, uh, I guess, pulp stock that's come from largely essentially white office paper. So you, you haven't had to introduce all that chemical process in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And I think um, it's been really popular in our range is the, um, our cup notes range where it's a paper um, we're bringing in from overseas that is um, a percentage of it or a big percentage of it is made from recycled takeaway coffee cups. So right. it works out to be that for each of our um, set of two notebooks, you're saving one takeaway coffee cup from landfill for that set. So even though that's a coloured card, um, but it's a beautiful um, toothy card for the covers. And those plain colours um, are really strong in the range now. Um, so that uh, is our kind of Notely Essentials range where we've got the block colours and then that offsets the artist's collection. Okay. And so I, I, I'd not heard of that, actually, which is absolutely interesting about the coffee cup thing. So is there no problems with, do you know, of, of the, you know, the wax coatings and that sort of thing, which makes them so hard to recycle uh, with the coffee cups? Yeah, I think that gets taken out. There's, um, I've got more in-depth processes on how it's all done, and I had to trace the whole route back to what percentage of it is so I could get all the um, the messaging right. Yeah. But it's, um, it, and I've just released a Cup Notes card set that's got 10 cards on the different colours of this range. And in that, um, two, cuff, two coffee cups are saved from landfill for that box of 10 cards. So it's, I guess it's just managing the expectation of what's that percentage and then how much of it is in the end product. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's a better alternative than just picking um, any kind of cardstock that, that's um, maybe using virgin tree fibres. Yeah, for sure. A absolutely. I, I think it's, 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 it's absolutely terrific because it's amazing. That whole process, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk in the sustainability world about, you know, paper being a terrific alternative to plastics for things like packaging and so on. And, and, and it is in the sense that, you know, essentially it rots down at the end of the day. But the the amount of um, energy used, water used, chemicals used, and of course, trees cut down for virgin wood pulp is hmm. insane. And so I hardly think that we can call the virgin paper uh, industry uh, a sustainable industry because of that whereas you're using larger you're using 
you know, not always, but you're using at least FSC certified, which is which is terrific. But then on top of that, recycled paper. So I, I hugely applaud you for making those tough choices um, early on. I think that sets you up really, really well. But what, what I love as well is that you haven't stopped there because you've looked at, even though you're a niche, you're essentially you're, you're, you're providing, you know, niche supplies to artists. You've looked at the, the whole journey, the whole customer journey and particularly the, the fulfillment end. So tell us a little bit about some of the things you're doing with fulfillment to make that more sustainable. Well, I guess if you were buying a notebook in a shop, it's most often wrapped in plastic and our products definitely aren't. So a lot of our products are just with a recycled wrap band around them. Um, and what I do is kind of minimal, total minimal packaging. I have a tiny little card that I'll put into the, um, the package with the order and then they go in a compostable um, recycled newspaper satchel or um, box and then pretty much label on it and shipped out the door so I'm, I don't add as much as I can there's just no other kind of added things in the packaging yeah and when we've had like our card sets they're still same it's a recycled craft box with the cards and most of our supply most of our stockers are more than happy to have the product floor like that because they're in mindful shops or um, gifts where gift shops where people are more I guess people are open to having being able to touch and feel the product but know that it's a sustainable brand so it isn't going to be wrapped in plastic yeah I I think that's great and so have you had to push back on any suppliers that are sending you um like I guess bulk packs of things packaged or or you know shrink wrapped or any of those sorts of things have you had to push back on them I've had to I've just had to work with my some of my suppliers to say like if this is supplied to me I don't want it I don't want it to be have any kind of plastic fill in the packaging, um, especially if it's, you know, you don't want the product to move when it's in shipment. But most of my suppliers I'm working with are local to Brisbane, so it's either getting dropped off to me or I'm able to pick it up. So we're not having long transit times or distances that the product's travelling. So that allows me to kind of, um, especially with a lot of our local Brisbane kind of northern New South Wales stockers, we're able to within a couple of days on Sendal or something, pop the order on um, a courier to them. And, and so tell us, you're using Sendal, so tell us a little bit about that experience and why did you choose Sendal? What, what do they do for you that's different to, say, Australia Post or anyone else? Well, I'm using a mixture of Sendal and Australia Post, actually, because there is a good chunk of my orders who are rural or express orders that have to go through Australia Post. And yep. even though as much as I want to use Sendal for... Um, the carbon neutral courier service that it is, they just still don't have the reach that Australia Post has. But for for local stuff around Brisbane, like a send or parcel can get picked up to me from me at 8.30 in the morning and be delivered after lunch. So sometimes like Brisbane send or parcels are really quick and efficient. And by the time Australia Post gets it, it can't be that kind of same day service. But then I can't, obviously I can't promise that because it depends on, leading to Christmas in the last couple of years with COVID, everything's been blown out with delivery times, of course. But we've got, um, I found over the, I've used Sendal for maybe five or six years now, and I've found the service just to be, yeah, pretty good. That I just have the occasional issue where um, if there's maybe not a mobile number or something, the courier hasn't told the person at the other end and then their parcels ended up at a news agent somewhere and then there was a miscommunication like this happened occasionally but most of the time um it's been quite a good service for us yeah perfect and so um for those that don't aren't familiar with sendall 
they basically come and pick up from you and then they, they have a sort of a chain of people that that pick up and deposit at various different locations to get to the end the end customer and the important part of all of that is of course that they they are certified carbon neutral that's correct isn't it yeah and the prices for small like a small satchel is cheaper than australia post so why wouldn't you do that um but at the same time um i've got two guys that come from sendor depending on the two couriers that they obviously ship the job out to and yeah i love like we always have a wave in the morning and like a hi especially at christmas when i've got a whole pile of parcels for them to pick up yeah that's great yeah like it's a good experience and um obviously australia post you have to use them for that express service people need things and if you're in a rural area and i'm shipping from brisbane um australia post standard delivery could take three weeks or even for us to send to northern territory or over to perth and wa at the moment it is taking that so a lot of the time for those further places we will just upgrade to express on australia post so at least they can get it within the week yeah because it's just so far it's yeah, just it makes taking sense. way too long makes sense okay cool so anyone wants to do carbon neutral delivery sendals sendals are pretty good bet which is great cool so another thing i love about your about your overall approach is that you have a very humble very honest and very transparent view of what your sort of sustainability profile looks like you know if we if you go and drill in onto your site you've actually got a nice page that talks about that it says you know hey we're not perfect but we're always working in different dimensions tell us a little bit about about that approach why did you feel the need to take that approach and and do you get any feedback on it from your customers um yeah occasionally people will say um you know like the satchel got rained on and um could i have put it into plastic or something like it's such a few and far between kind of um, issue, but I guess I'm just saying how it is. Like I don't need to kind of, you know, fluff it up or change the message. I'm just trying to say I'm here, I'm a small business and I'm trying to be as honest as I can with you. We're making our product here in Brisbane and um, I just want to feature these beautiful artists on the on the covers and in the range and we want to get it to you with as minimal impact on the environment as possible and i'm definitely open to changing those processes up i definitely have changed um like a back in the day i used to have recycled gift wrap that i would put over and make all the parcels look cute and lovely which i love doing i love the gift wrapping and making it all lovely but it just was an unnecessary step in adding one more piece of paper into that into that package and if you think about it, it's just got to be stripped out to be, you want the notebook set, I send you the notebook set as best as I can with as minimal other packaging as possible. And a lot of people in there, whether they know about our brand or not, um, they might put notes in saying, please send with no packaging. Um, or if they've ordered before, they don't, like I don't put lots of merchandise or anything in it. It's usually a tiny little card that just says, thank you. So most of our customers are quite mindful of that's our mission and that's what we try to do. So they're happy with that kind of minimalist approach. Yeah, quite sure they are. I mean, I think one of the things I, I do like about it is, is that, you know, you, you are just being you, literally your website sounds like you just sound, which is <laughs> I, I am what I am. We're just doing this thing. We're doing the best we can. And you know, this is why we're doing it, which, which I love, you know what, and that, and that authenticity, I mean, I literally can hear your voice now, on that website and i love that i love the authenticity and honesty about that do you do you find that you sort of weave those stories 
through all of your marketing, you know, say, you know, including in your ads, including in your, in your, any email marketing that you do um, to your customer base. Is, is that a theme? To an extent, but I definitely think I should do it more. <laughs> I feel for a lot of years I have hidden behind the brand a lot. And I do, like, I know if anyone, anyone who knows me knows how much I love um, working with stationery and love working with the artists. So it's anyone around me knows how much of it is my life and how much I love it. But it's, yeah, it's sometimes hard to get out of that bubble and share that story a lot to people. So um, in, in terms of, in terms of your marketing, then, in, in, in your words, you've been hiding behind the other artists a little bit. Obviously, from a brand growth point of view, you need to be pushing out their stuff. You need to be pushing content. You need to be hmm. doing things. So what are, you, what are you doing to grow your brand? What's working for you as a, as, as a, in, in, in your niche and as a, as a, as a terrific um, proponent of all these beautiful Australian artists, as well as a sustainable brand? What's working for you to help you grow your business? Um, our emails that kind of tell our story do work. Um, I've got, I guess our community on Instagram is quite lovely. Like I, I chat to a lot of our, our stockers and customers and stuff through Instagram. And a lot of people will say that they found me through Instagram. So, and also a lot of people get in touch and say they saw me in a store or they saw me in a gift shop or they got a gift from someone of my notebooks. So it's always so lovely to hear that. And it's lovely to have a friend ring me or send me photos and say, I was at the gallery or I was at, um, at I was down the coast at a shop and I saw you, um, here's your note, Lee's on the shelf. So it's always so lovely to hear those stories. Um, and I guess um, a lot of the stockers that do get in touch have found us through social or have um, kind of heard about our product when searching for a sustainable option. And um, that might have just been through Google or, or search, um, Ecosia search engines, and um, they've just kind of stumbled upon us. So I guess I probably need to get a lot better with the whole push marketing stuff, but um for now, a lot of it is organic and through social. Yeah, okay. So, uh, and dominantly Instagram has been your platform for for generating organic uh, interest and organic traffic. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so, how often do you go about posting on Instagram, and what uh, and you know what's been your approach? Because obviously, there obviously Instagram is a is a beast into itself. If you if you if you're listening to this and you haven't done much on Instagram uh, so far, there's definitely um. Uh, there's definitely a brand presence that you need to generate for yourself and a, and, and a look and feel that you need to generate for yourself on Instagram to kind of resonate with the right people. So how have you approached all that, Jenica? What have you done to, to make your brand notable, rememberable, me- rememberable, memorable, and, and have people kind of engaging with you? Well, I feel early on and even still to this day, my product photos have always been on a really strong turquoise background. And that's really just set us aside from the kind of, um, maybe minimalist products on a white background. So I've always tried to be quite strong that the turquoise is our brand colour mixed in with the forest greens and the minty greens of the products and some of the designs. So I think having that quite strong look and feel from the start has really helped people remember the brand. And that's in a, at the time, not, maybe not so much now, but at the time there was just lots of pretty pinks pink stationery in the market so to come out as I was the the turquoise minty green kind of brand because I was the eco brand I felt like I really stood out in that and um I guess I 
I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Instagram like most people do you know you go through a phase where you're on a roll and you're posting good content and then you just like you don't have the brain space for a couple of weeks and you really just need a break from it all so it's definitely a love-hate relationship and it's one of those things where I know I should be better at it and I should spend more time on it but you know, sometimes you've just got bigger fish to fry and stuff to do that you just can't spend endless days scrolling and and spending time on it. So my posting can be a few times a week. It can be once a week. It changes a bit depending on how busy I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think everyone you're not you're not alone. Everybody gets that, <laughs> no matter what their chosen platform, whether it's Insta or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is. This constant need to kind of generate content it becomes it does become draining it's very hard let's be honest it's very hard to keep coming up with new things and putting and putting stuff out there i think it's probably you know for somebody that focuses largely on organic uh you know organic traffic it's it's one of the biggest challenges for any business so congratulations for keeping it going even if you have you know peaks and lulls because i know like that consistency of um making sure that there's something happening at a on a frequent basis is very very important the platform's the AIs love that, you know, if you, if, if, you know, from a, um, from a point of view of, of giving you the love back and making sure that you're reaching your audience and so on, the worst thing that anybody can do is just, just stop and let it all tail off because then you've got to fire up the, the AI algorithm all, all over again to actually reach even the people that interact with you. Um, so it's very, very important that you keep doing that. So, 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 so well done. So in terms of overall marketing, if you look back over the, what's this now, eight years, is that right? About eight years. Yeah. Right? This later this year will be eight years. Ah, oh, congratulations! So, what what what's been the most successful thing that you've done to generate new audience and new and new customers? Most importantly, probably I'd say in the last twelve months, really trying to hone in on my Google Ads and get a lot of my digital marketing stuff up to speed. So I've kind of invested in getting my email flows all set up so that if you've been on the site um, you get a bit of the brand story sent to your inbox over a, a few weeks and I think having having that set up is just helping to better talk, tell the story to the person fresh to the site and then if you sp- obviously if you're spending money on getting them to the site with ads you need to make sure that you've got the follow-through to remind them if they didn't purchase and that's just I guess because I've always been the creative brain part a lot for a long time, all the stuff, digital stuff that was other than just the kind of organic posting, I really just didn't put my head into the ad space. And I, I guess um, I've got a lot better at that in the last probably 18 months. Just yeah, with okay. trying. To so are you doing all ads yourself? Um, no, I've got a partner um, that works a couple of tech partners now with a couple of different apps that I'm using and they're kind of helping to just manage it and check in with me each fortnight or so. Okay. So when you said partner, just be clear that you're talking about someone internal in your business or, or someone. Oh, no, sorry. Um, a tech uh, company I'm using for a couple of the different things okay. I'm using. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And so they're running a Google ads. Are you doing any other, any, any social media ads as well? No, I'm, Oh, I'm doing a little bit of that myself. Um, there was, Maybe about 18 months ago, I joined um, an e-com mastermind group. So I've been able to kind of learn a bit more through that and some of the workshops in the course. So I've kind of just been upskilling myself a bit so that I can manage that because there's just the, that's the challenge is running a small business with such an eco focus and making everything here locally is that there's just not a lot of profit in the products to be hiring lots of people and 
I guess I'm not at a huge revenue to be able to put on lots of staff. So a lot of the time it's, if I'm not working on a new collection, I've got to try and work on the marketing. So I'm trying to just kind of work on bits and pieces at a time and get it all kind of humming along. So that's, I guess that's the challenge when you are a small business and you're trying to grow and you need to upskill yourself because you can't quite yet afford to pay lots of different suppliers to do the stuff for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it is a hundred percent. Every single uh, e-commerce brand I've ever worked with, you know, especially ones that aren't, you know, venture capital funded, they're a different beast entirely, but ones that have grown organically themselves that all go through the same pain that you're going through, which is, <laughs> you know, like solopreneur doing everything, keeping a million things spinning in the air, trying to figure out, trying to find some time to do some hours, trying to find some time to write some content, trying to find some time to ship some orders and all that sort of stuff. It's just a constant balancing act, isn't it? So, so that's absolutely amazing. So do you have goals set for the next year, next 12 months, next sort of, you know, couple of years in terms of how you want to grow the business? Have you got like some clear, a clear vision in mind of where you want it to be? Not really, but I would love an offsider that has some strengths that I don't have um, because I feel like when my friend Tessa and I were working together, um, even though she was only on a part-time basis, she really filled the gaps in my skill set. And I guess as I, like, as I've grown the brand, I really love that having that person to bounce ideas off and really chat about when there is an issue. And that's the thing I think a lot of people in small business struggle with is that you don't have that person to just bounce the ideas off when shit hits the fan, really. You know, like something's gone wrong and you need to brainstorm or talk something out. And that's when you're, when you're in a job or in any kind of business and you've got a team of people, there's always people to talk out the issue or work through a solution or put the plan in place to grow things or change things. And when you're on your own, I felt for a number of years, I'm not really isolated, but I just really felt that, um on that day-to-day when something went wrong I just couldn't quite I'd almost just procrastinate because it was too hard because I had no way to just talk it out and get it actioned so um but in the last probably 18 months since I've been in my um, one of the e-commerce groups I'm in um I found a really awesome mastermind so it's really good because kind of every fortnight we meet and get to brainstorm issues in our business and say this has happened or you know congratulate each other on the success that you might not get because you're kind of just plodding along on your own and um, I think having that camaraderie with other small business owners who are like in a trench like you are just trying to get by and grow your business um, that really helps to just um, work through stuff when yeah. you've got a challenge I couldn't agree more I mean it's it's um, you know they often talk about um, in corporate in the corporate space they often talk about leadership at the high level being a very lonely place you're a brilliant example of a typical kind of solopreneur that's building a brand for themselves that's a very lonely place you know and and there are so many things that you need to know and be good at that you cannot possibly be knowing and and being good at them all and so having a community to be part of where you can just go i've had the worst day or yeah. hey, look what happened to me today. This happened, and it's been amazing. And you get a pat on the back, which you wouldn't yeah. get because if you try to talk to, to your friends, people go, "I don't care." Like yeah. you know, no one cares apart apart from you, unless you're in part of a group. So I applaud you enormously for taking that step and sharing that. And and I, I would encourage you to keep doing that. I encourage everybody to keep doing that. I, I know I always did. 
as an e-commerce entrepreneur, I was always looking for um, groups to be part of that we could meet up with. And, um, you know, somebody, more people that knew more stuff than me that I could pick the brains of. Um, You know, that's great because you cannot possibly know everything. And also when you find your group that you're really proud of and you feel a part of, you do really inspire each other because everyone has different strengths and different backgrounds. And at some point, someone's been through something similar so they can help give you advice. But also they're just on your wavelength and they can inspire you on a day-to-day basis or share a little tidbit they might have seen on YouTube or something that's just really what you needed to know or hear that day. Um, And I guess, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're in various different types of businesses, but I guess it just makes the whole journey well worthwhile that you've got that kind of team on your side. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I love it. Well, Jenica, this has been a really fascinating uh, and exciting um, and inspiring discussion with you today. I hope everyone that's listening has has got a lot of sense of the fact that wherever they are in their own journey, there's other people out there just like them, like you doing this sort of stuff and choosing to do things in a sustainable way, which is great uh, for the whole thing. Now, where can people get hold of your beautiful products, Jenica? Um, notely.com.au. Um, that's our website and you can find us on Instagram at the notely. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jenica. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I wish you the absolute best for the, for the continuing success of notely. It's a beautiful brand. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Giles. Thanks for having me.